2: And I'm Lorianne Rising.
1: We are continuing our theme this week for National Head Start Awareness Month by diving into what is often a difficult subject for many families with a woman whose compassion and kindness is truly changing lives.
2: I'm really looking forward to our guest today, but first I wanted to share just a little bit about how things are going behind the scenes here at Rise and Shine because it's so fun to notice when those little things shift and you're starting to gain momentum, right? Well, one of the things when we started out was trying to find guests. We were doing all the research and all the reach out. Well, that's shifted. We're starting to get inquiries, which is really cool. And I do have a little tip. If you're going to reach out to a podcast or radio show make sure what you are offering and talking about is actually really right for the show. Like we talk about creating a future that works for everyone and breaking down old paradigms and uplifting voices that aren't typically heard in our culture. And yet so many of the inquiries I get are just talking about the same old stuff. So it needs to be positioned in a way that's right for the show you're trying to reach out to one inquiry i got in particular that really stands out was actually from somebody that is part of the flat earth movement and i admit i wrote it off almost instantly but then I thought, you know, maybe I should really do the research. This is not a philosophy I'm familiar with. We are open to different ways of thinking. So I did check into the website and a little bit of information and listen to about 15 or 20 minutes of uh, one of the gentlemen's episodes. And, you know, We do talk about challenging paradigms, but going back to the dark ages is not going to work. We're looking to move forward, not backward. That's all I'm going to say about that. It was so far out there. There was no science. And in my opinion, the logic used was very narcissistic. So, like I said, make sure that (laughs) what you are doing when you reach out to any show, because every show is different. If you've got a topic, there's somebody out there who's waiting to hear from you. But for ours, just make sure that it connects the dots. We're looking for guests who speak to families, who speak to creating a better world, and who have a voice that the world needs to hear. So... We would love to hear from you and we're excited that we are getting inquiries and meeting such amazing and wonderful people. For example, like our guest today,
1: Alicia Galambos. Did I get that right?
2: You
3: did.
1: I did. Oh, good. (laughs) Alicia is the director (laughs) and founder of EAG Innovation, a mental health organization supporting families through mental health and education services, workshops, and events. As a lived experience service provider and advocate with a passion for enhancing understanding about mental health and its effects, they have brought to life three key elements in the course of their work. Lived experience is evidence, building safer communities, and equitable health access for all. They're a leader and a consultant for various communities that demonstrate caring and passionate involvement. Welcome, Alicia. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for being with us.
3: Thank you for having me. Um, it was amazing learning about Head Start Awareness Week and hearing more of the message that you both are trying to achieve and put out there for individuals listening. I'm happy to contribute to being a part of that. Awesome. Well, we're
2: glad you're here. appreciate
1: That we're the whole focus on kids. And I mean, it's just, it's our future, you know, and I think Mm -hmm. even those of us without children as speaking for myself, um, I think it's just so important that we have a connection and continuing deepening of our understanding of the importance of the foundation that we're setting for where we're going here.
2: Well, that and and mental health is something that's not typically talked a lot about and so much of it it is can be really invisible. I mean, I, I had that experience myself and I'm grateful you're here to help open that conversation and allow families to, you know, basically get rid of the stigma. There's so much shame and guilt sometimes mm-hmm. around it. So I'm really glad you're here. And I'm curious, I mean, tell us a little bit, really, I mean, first of all, what does EAG Innovation really do? What What are, what are,
1: what's it stand for? What's first your gift off? to
2: the world? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, so I was always told not to name your business after yourself, because if you get to the point where you want to retire and sell, no one's going to buy it. So <laughs> EAG stands for my This stands for my name. So my full name is Alicia Amanda Glambos. When I sign things, it's always Alicia A. Glambos. And the innovation part was because I think we need a new approach to looking at mental health. And that's exactly what I do in my practice. So I am a peer support worker, which means I'm not a therapist. I'm not a doctor. But I've been trained to use my lived experience in a way that is effective and supportive For others, So I get to use a variety of modalities, whether it's more traditional therapies, whether it's bringing in acrylic ink artists from here in Canada, whether it's bringing in acoustic musicians all the way out from Connecticut, or in other parts of the United States, brought in cyanotype artists, photographers, all these amazing people to help families find new and creative ways to work on their mental health. And of course, we sit in the room with them when we talk, we come to those best solutions. So using all these diverse practitioners, having a great team, really good family, some of those supportive methods that they need to make a start in their lives. And we all say it's about building a brighter future. Nice.
1: Wow. So I'm getting two words is showing up. Uh, whole brain, basically, is what you're using, what you, you it sounds like when you're talking about music, you're talking about art, you're talking about, I'm sure physiological like exercise stuff. How, how important is, mm-hmm. is movement that, that you've experienced with, uh, with brain development?
3: Movement is huge. So the importance of movement here within my practice, I like to do a lot of movement with a meditative aspect because meditative aspects, talk to a four-year-old, a four-year-old cannot sit that long. You're not trained to fit. For 30 minutes, 40 minutes of meditation. So that's where we start getting movement in, to learn how to mindfully move our bodies. So we do things like awareness, like, can you feel where your hands are? And have them, you know, crawl and touch the carpet. Or if we're outside, touching the grass, touching the walls, touching the pillows, the couch, all the things we always tell our kids, oh, don't touch that. It's dirty. Don't touch that. You'll ruin the cushion. I encourage yeah. them to do that, and I encourage them to describe it back to me without using, without using judgments. And we get end up what we end up getting from that is these kids who are aware of their bodies, how they're acting. So at, when they become adults, they're not the adult who pushes past you and doesn't apologize or doesn't recognize that they're walking past you in a rude manner. They're more conscious of it, and you're getting individuals who are non-judgmental about bodies about body diversity about in trying new experiences and being open to the world around them so we started at a young age with movement man it makes the world a difference
2: wow,
1: wow. okay that is we, so cool I, this so, th- this is going to be another one of those shows where my main word is wow i, I can tell it's just <laughs> like oh this is so M-G. cool gee <laughs> okay so, so uh, go, go ahead okay
2: yeah i'm I'm noticing, so when I have heard the term in, in mental health and stuff when we when when I've heard it before, lived experience, it's been more in reference to the patient or the client or the person coming in for services and acknowledging what their experience of the world is. And it sounds like you're using it in terms of, okay, we're actually going to use lived experience to create a better life from here forward with you. And I'm curious, am I accurate in that or is it a both and or how are you using that lived experience term in your practice? Yeah, so what I do with lived experience, it's a bit of both. We use the lived
3: experiences to help build a future because It's important to let clients know, and even if you're talking to family and friends and you're not a practitioner, let them know their experiences are valid, they matter, and we can then take them in turn to do the things that are right for them in order to build that brighter future. And for me, when I say I'm a lived experience provider, I use another term as I have experiences, my own personal experiences with mental health recovery, with the mental health system, And I'm able to use those experiences and what has worked for me to create modalities that will, in return, help you. So I'm not looking at it from just a westernized clinical perspective. I'm looking at it as having been on the ground, having to advocate, and having more of a grassroots approach.
2: Very cool.
1: So so to clarify, then, when you're talking about lived experience the term you're referring to your lived experience and not the child's lived experience specifically um, I clarify
3: that as both
1: okay okay yeah I clarify you.
2: that as both yeah
1: okay okay
2: cool. so what kinds of mental health cases do you see? I mean, when you talk about mental health, what does that include? Or maybe even what does it not include? Mm
3: So I see mental health as not a di. I don't look for a specific diagnosis. And typically when I'm seeing folks, it's either before they have received a diagnosis, they just know something is up. Maybe they're not sleeping as well. Maybe they've been feeling increased stress or their child has been having intense discomfort or anxiety. And other times I see folks after they have been through formalized treatment or hospitalization. And typically when they're coming to me after, they're looking more for empowerment. They're looking to become advocates. They're looking for support on the next step of their journey. Maybe they've also overcome a physical illness. So one client I work with is a survivor of a stroke that happened unexpectedly and is now building her own accessibility and to create a better place for children with disabilities, to create a better place for adults with disabilities. Sometimes I'm seeing clients on both ends of the spectrum. I'm never typically seeing clients amidst their biggest crisis. So typically those situations are more so reserved for folks with a doctorate or a hospital setting.
2: Wow. So you see all kinds of people. And so it's not, I love that it's not just one particular thing. Like it, it's more being healthy and happy from wherever you are is what it sounds like to me. Is that, is that accurate? I mean, exactly. Okay. So what kinds of things in somebody's daily life, I mean, you talked about a child who may be stressful or, you know, or, or experiencing stress or anxiety and, or, you know, somebody like one of the things, okay, I'm not sleeping well, something's up. What else might be happening that somebody could say, Hey, this is a cue that maybe mental health is a little bit off here. And, and I could benefit a little bit from talking to somebody or, or exploring this. Any feelings of
3: isolation. If you're feeling isolated, increased thoughts of being alone, any thoughts of, any thoughts of harm to yourself, others, those are definitely key ones where we can say, okay, this might be the time to bring it in. And it can even be things we might not recognize. So increased thoughts of wanting to sleep all the time, loss of interest in activities, feeling anxious. Increased anxiety, increased phobias, even fears that you no longer had before. So, for example, I've had folks who were very comfortable—they drive their car all the time. All of a sudden, they no longer wanted to be in the car. So, sometimes moments of these moments of fear that are arising within us, any past history or trauma that is arising within our, our lives, where we begin to feel. And I always describe it as feeling out of home in your body. So feeling very disconnected. So for example, that analogy in the grocery store, if you notice, you know, you're constantly bumping into people and you're not realizing it, you're not having sensation, or you're not feeling connected with yourself, the universe, your family, your child, and there's an overall disconnect going on. That's usually one of the first signs
2: is feeling disconnected. And feeling that isolation. Wow. And I, I can only imagine in this era with COVID and lockdowns and things, there's probably an increase of that going on quite a bit. And, you know, just thinking about, you know, Head Start for kids and kids at young ages. I mean, this, that's when brains are really being shaped for a lifetime. So how might parents be able to understand, like, gosh, something's going on with my child? How, you know, specifically for kids, Mm -hmm. what are they acting out? Are they, you know, gosh, their pattern suddenly shifted? I mean, what kinds of things can parents look for, you know, in, in the younger ages?
3: So the interesting thing with that is a lot of the things we look for can also be signs of physical illness too. And this is where parents might feel confused and feel frustrated because they might not know if it's a mental health related aspect or if it's a childhood illness or something else is going on physically. And some of the things that can be is decreased appetite, increased appetite, increased sleeping, decreased sleeping. Again, that loss of interest. If your child was always really passionate about doing a particular activity and all of a sudden, and this is specifically for older children, I would say. So if you're looking at ages nine, 10, and they were always on the one track to, maybe they drew a picture every day. and All of a sudden, they're not drawing a picture anymore. It could be that change in identity, their identity shifting, And it could also be your child is feeling depressed, anxious, any increased thoughts of perfectionism, so always feeling like they have to do everything right, especially now with back to school, increased increased and intense pressure on themselves, any exhibiting exhibiting behaviors or violence or using words like I want to kill you, I want to kill myself. And that's the thing is kids begin to kind of explore guns and create with things like legos or blocks if you find they're having some of these increased behaviors that are more inclined to violence or actively expressing violence that's definitely a point that you want to get help but these symptoms of anxiety and depression beforehand are really key markers that we can just notice and it doesn't have to be my child struggling it could just be it could be using play therapy. It could be taking them to a play therapist. It could be sitting down with them and having conversations. And it's really what it comes down to is helping your child take control early and parents parent acting as a baseline for some of that emotional regulation. Because most children are going to model exactly what you do. So if you're no. feeling stressed, they'll exhibit it.
1: Isn't that so true? I mean, I, I've we've been getting that in, in bits and pieces that that we're modeling everything. And that I, I've I heard, uh, I, I think it was Bruce Lipton's uh, quote from his recent book, um, Biology of Belief, I believe. Anyway, um, he, when he's talking about that kids up until age seven, I believe, don't even need to be taught because they're just Soaking up everything in, in you know like a video camera, like mm-hmm. just just recording everything directly into subconscious, and it's, it's just it's incredible to even think like that, that 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 what we do around a child matters that much that that everything is being just completely taken in and absorbed and and processed and and is going into that that permanent. Subconscious mind that then formulates the entire life of that human being that that, that, that those first seven years are really that critical and and it 's just it 's mm-hmm. been uh, kind of this uh, this revelation uh, education understanding process that i 've been going through with the the, the evolution of this kid 's book, you know the Sunbeam. Uh, to to get that out and and to try to understand you know <laughs> why I've been handed this you know kind of this project basically to do but I, I'm kind of if you could <clears throat> I guess if you could speak to to some of that importance or or the or what maybe what parents can do on a on a regular basis to I, I guess I guess I see it as as a as an opportunity, like having a child must be more like having a growth opportunity to really become a more of a complete adult and a complete human being Mm -hmm. through the process of demonstrating training, you know, for your kid. I mean, is that kind of, I mean, Mm -hmm. is that, do you deal with, uh, like, I know I'm a, I'm more familiar dog training, you know I mean? (laughs) You you can't, you can't just train the dog, you know, you've got to be training Mm -hmm. the owner. And if you're, if you're trying to help in that kind of relationship. And so is that something that you work with traditionally as well as parent and child, uh, (laughs) relationship, the, the, the whole relationship, I guess.
3: Yeah. So I work with family as a whole. I do not see any individual children by themselves. I always see them with their parents. And one of those reasons is my certification. (laughs) And one of the reasons is I also believe even if I had a certification, that would be a part of my mission is families who are willing. And it's all about willingness. They have to be willing to be able to work together and ready and open to working on it. But you brought up a great point in terms of brain development, because our brain circuitry is developing at that time. There's a million synapses going on and neurons firing, especially during those ages, even look back to kind of zero to three more deeply. And what we found, there was a study done in New Zealand, and they studied children from womb to about 30 years old. And they found children who had some more adverse and toxic stress, which they found that they had higher risk of heart disease, diabetes. And what ultimately happened was their C-reactive protein was higher. And they found they had increased responses uh, within their adrenal glands and their adrenaline was running. So they responded to Mm -hmm. stress very differently. And a lot Mm -hmm. of that was because of the way their parents responded to stress. So Mm -hmm. child abuse, verbal abuse, um, being in toxic situations such as poverty, homelessness, and all those aren't toxic stress. But what parents can model and how they can help their child is those adverse experiences. So some adverse experiences might be having a share for the first time. So Mm -hmm. if we think about when a child has a sibling, they typically dislike having a sibling especially if they've been the center of attention Mm -hmm. for a very long time, or whether it's a year or two years. So helping your child in modeling healthy behaviors, such as sharing, such as spending time with each child um, in a way that is equitable, such as modeling healthy relationships and your ability to, you know, not be jealous of your partner or not being overprotective, they in turn take that and they internalize it and begin to exhibit the same relationship with their sibling. Or even when your child fails a test for the first time or they fall off their bike for the first time, all these adverse experiences, if you tell them, you know, say cry and let's say with a bike, they skin their knee and you go there and, you know, you start making a big deal about it and, you, or, and that can be done in two ways. You might say, You shouldn't have fallen. I'm angry at you. and disappointed. Some parents go that route. And some parents go the other route of, oh, it's okay. Don't worry. You never have to get on the bike again. And Mm. it's about teaching them resilience. So it's that middle response, that wise mind response, using logic and using your emotion brain. That brings them together to say, you know, as a parent, I might say, a parent, I might coach them to say something like, um, I'm sorry. well we can. Are you okay? And the they most often the child will say, "Yeah, I'm okay." Or, "Oh, well, my knee hurts." You help them get back up, and then say, "Okay, we're gonna rest for an hour, yeah. and we're gonna go back a, on the bike."
1: It's like getting back you on the horse. Help them build yeah. that resilience. Right. Yep. You know, exactly. using using the experience, using all of the experience for the brain develop for the for the. So I
2: I really want to continue this conversation, but we need to take a short break. Uh, I do have a quick question for everyone listening, (laughs) though. What action are you taking today to create a world that works for everyone? And would you like to be of service to even more people by sharing your gifts? If you or someone you know is an author, musician, innovator, or has a powerful story to share, we'd like to hear about it and help you reach a worldwide audience. So visit us at riseinchinasone.com to learn more.
1: And after the break, you'll hear a fun, upbeat song that might bring a yellow brick road to mind while reminding us that magic can be found right where we are. Stay tuned for Land of Ahas right after this.
0: Changing world, how can you protect the self esteem, confidence, and dreams of the children you love in just five minutes a day, even from a distance? To learn more about Uncle Mark's Best Indie Book Award winning kids' book, his music, and resources to support families, visit truesunbeam.com. And if you're an author or musician with a similar mission, learn how to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. Visit Uncle Mark at truesunbeam.com. Are you a woman who's tired of staying silent and people-pleasing at the expense of your own health, wealth, and happiness? Discover the roadmap to self-confidence and freedom in Lori Rising's international award-winning book, You, Rising, Reclaim Your Life, Live Your Purpose. And if you're an author whose nonfiction or memoir makes a powerful difference, you're invited to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. For books, resources, and show details, visit LorianneRising.com.
4: dreams come true a place where they don't make flaws our day-to-day life is our living proof we live in the land of our ours storms may come and the strong winds blow and it's hard to see the good they cause but you'll understand when you finally land here in the land of our hearts. this is the land this is the This is the land of our hearts We're in the land, here in the land of our hearts Don't be afraid to put on new shoes For your golden path to the stars You've got more power than you know how to use Here in the land of our hearts There's so much living in a life today Just learning universal laws Becoming aware we can finally choose to live By the love that's inside and to live in the land of ours.
2: You're listening to Rise and Shine, and that was an original by our very own Uncle Mark called "Land of Ahas." You can find it on a Star Child CD and download it from his website at truesunbeam.com.
1: We're continuing to honor National Head Start Awareness Month with our guest Alicia Galambos. Galambos, oh, yes. I messed it up again, Gal- Galambos with EAG Innovation. We we're talking. We were just talking about resilience in kids and supporting parents in (laughs) supporting kids resilience and oh man what a subject this 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 whole with what we're dealing with now with society you have got to be busy these days i would imagine
3: Mm, so resilience we were just talking about it i ran a series of four workshops and what always came up were the two topics were resilience and forgiveness. No one wanted to talk about responsibility or, you know, those traditional coping strategies. We wanted to talk about resilience and they wanted to talk about forgiveness. So it was very interesting. Wow. Past few months. I'll be darned. None.
2: Wow. So is that do you think that's from like, gosh, we have a lot of time at home right now to whether, whether it's seeing ourselves or coping or dealing with our loved ones in a closer environment? I mean, how much of that might be just simply, you know, twenty twenty has seen a, a closeness among family members that we haven't seen in decades. At I least, think for least better At least
1: proximity worse.
2: Yes. Yeah, how, how's
3: that? How's that showing up? Yeah, so I think 2020 is interesting. You say that because I feel like although we may seem closer together or further apart, and one thing about resiliency is these making connections and teaching people, especially parents, how to build and fill out their social support network. So looking for others in their community that they can rely on, especially in a time of crisis, when they're feeling overwhelmed, when they need help with their child or their spouse, especially with sick loved ones too, knowing who's in that network. And people are always saying, well, you know, you're my provider, you're in my network, or my husband's in my network, my sister. And I'm like, who else? Is it your neighbor who can, you know, if you can't get to the store and you need eggs and milk and water, Can they go to the store for you? Is it your family doctor who may have access to other resources in your community? Is it it your child's old babysitter? I know a lot of parents are getting babysitters these days. Maybe they can spend 15 minutes with your kid over Zoom having a conversation once a day just to give you a break while you're cooking dinner. So all these things can be a part of this big, we call it a sociogram. If you want to put it in simpler terms, a social support network. And we think resiliency means we're able to do it all on our own, and we need to tough it up. Resiliency actually means we know where we need help, we know where our weak spots are, and we know who to turn to. And mm. it gets us to. It gets us to actually take the things we would normally label a crisis or a challenge, and view them as things we can overcome so I like to think of mountains no one goes and actively is like I'm going to go climb Everest without doing training first and that's exactly what resilience is people who climb Everest they have a team behind them they have trainers they typically have nutritionists doctors you need all those people in your life to help you overcome those anything we might have previously seen as a crisis
1: Right. And, and prevent a crisis by having the foresight and forethought to have the nutritionist and do the training and be, and to not ever think that you're going to accomplish climbing Everest on your own. I mean, that's just, it's it's, it's, it's a no brainer. But how many of us continually, day after day, myself included, head of the mm-hmm. list, you know, decide, oh. I'm gonna do whatever, and I'm gonna—I can do it on my own. And and, and See, so so it, it's me, getting to that's me. That's
2: one of the things oh, we we talk brilliant. about being a part of our exactly. mission on this show is challenging old paradigms. Mm, and man. to me, that speaks directly to this ongoing, persistent, underlying, unconscious Western paradigm that we are individualists, we're independent, and if there's a problem, you better pick yourself up by the bootstraps and figure it out. And, and, and that if, is such a damaging paradigm. And if
1: you can't do it, that's a failure. If right. you, if if you, you are not seen as being the one who's in charge and doing it all. And, yep. being a, and, and, and asking for help then is not, you're not only failing if you can't do it yourself, but by asking for help, then you're really failing. And it's just like completely yes. words. Yes. So
2: I am grateful oh, that you, you have redefined what real resiliency really means because I think you're Mm. speaking directly to that that until you said it I honestly didn't realize that was what I was thinking of you know well I just have to be more resilient I just have to figure this out I have to stretch myself more I have to grow more this is my opportunity to just expand Mm. my capacity and I'm realizing more and more (sighs) what I really need is to stop expanding my capacity or expecting that I should and take a step back and say, you know what? I don't have to do it all. I Mm. I need to actually back up and take care of myself better rather than continuously pushing.
1: Join the family reunion.
2: Yeah. All of us actually Mm -hmm. that, that skill of learning to be a community again, I think is, is what, At least I would say United States Western culture has has lost. We're we're not community oriented anymore. So I I really appreciate that. I think you
1: nailed that one. This is (laughs) very much that's so redefining resiliency, job one. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anything else in this show is gravy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. So what are some of
2: the things that parents can do for themselves, but also to help teach children those skills early on? What, what does that look like? Mm. So the first thing we want to do collectively is
3: helping our child accept change. And that's been the biggest issue right now is children can't go and do their normal routine. They can't see their friends how they normally would here, especially where I live in Canada, what they did to all the parks is they barricaded them. So public park, outside, everything. They had this big orange cloak,
4: mm. cones,
3: big warning sign. And kids were really upset because they didn't know how to accept the change. Their parents were frustrated. And in return, the kids got frustrated. So helping your child accept that the change is this natural and unavoidable part of life by teaching them skills such as radical acceptance. So how can they reinvest in the moment so maybe if you can't go to the park what can you create at home what can you do as a goal and helping your child being re- to be resilient is moving toward goals that are realistic so if your child's sole goal is to get to the park you might say okay well how can we make a park at home what are some of the things we would need and they might tell you we need cardboard boxes we need things to climb on we need um, some way to swing and we might be like, okay, what are some of the steps that we need to do? So we might say, okay, the first step is to make a plan. So we might say to our child, okay, well, for five minutes a day, we're gonna work on a plan to make your part. And by taking these decisive actions, that'll help your child and yourself face your challenges. So you'll be feeling less frustrated because your child's occupied, they're happy, they're now working towards something. And working towards something is really an act of resiliency. Because developing resiliency is helping your child look for opportunities that promote Mm self-discovery. And right now, what I've seen a lot of parents doing is books, crafts, um, even having them explore and invent and create things in a new way. And that's one way, even if you're living in a warmer climate, getting them outside, letting them feel the grass and nature, letting them play with different activities. I had one person tell me they let their child play with a bowl of flour and the child loved it because there are two and they're exploring what flowers feels like, what can be done with it, the texture, the volume, the malleability. And as your child's discovering, they begin to nurture the positive view of themselves and their abilities. So they believe they can do things. If they make a little mini play area in their home, you might be thinking in your head, well, that's not really a park. But to them, it's the best thing they've ever created. So now they believe they know how to plan. They know how to be responsible. They know how to create. They know that they have good ideas. And when they go back to school and are able to experience things opening up again, they're able to keep these things in perspective and context. And through there, they're now hopeful. They're now having hopeful feelings about their life. They're less depressed. They're less anxious. And together, you're taking care of yourselves. So you're giving your child what they need. And you're also taking care of yourself because at the same time, you're being the parent that you feel society is putting the pressure on you to be, just by giving them a really simple small opportunity to discover. And that can look like so many things. A park example is definitely a big one. but That could look like even if your child plays hockey all the time, you might get them roller skates and they can roller skate in the basement. Maybe they set up a little net. And all mm-hmm. these things are giving them new opportunities, new ways to do things. So that's resilience and Ways we can help them. In and, bonding.
1: And, and, and bonding and oh. bonding and building the bridges yeah. the, of, of strengthening the relationship that, that, that shows that you, you that together mm-hmm. you can overcome anything.
2: As, and I would yeah. imagine self-esteem and self-confidence. I mean, even for a young child, if you're helping and involved, they had an idea and they get to see it come to fruition step by step. Yep. They're learning to you know not just to plan but that immediate gratification thing they're learning that hey if i do little bits at a time it Mm -hmm. can happen it does happen it comes together and there is nothing i mean at least in my own life there that that joy of accomplishing a vision you've set out to despite all of the challenges there's nothing like that seeing it realized and I can just imagine with young kids mm. or, well, kids of any age or even a parent too, like that, I mean, especially in the middle of this year, can just be such a bright spot. Or mm. as Uncle Mark lo- likes to say, the shining moment.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's what is going to be the shining moment of the day. What's gonna Or get the ri- year, what's depending get, on the project. <laughs> what's going to get written down at the book in the book at the end of the day. Exactly. Right,
2: right. So yeah. that's, that's a really... Fantastic. That's a fantastic idea. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Well, now, why aren't uh, or are, do things like this Are these kinds of suggestions? Uh, just kind of circle back here. We are in Head Start week. And I was just wondering if there's <laughs> – do, do – uh, for my own education about Head Start, I'm, I'm guilty for being unfamiliar with the uh, kinds of programs and the sorts of uh, tools and things that they teach – and programs available. Is, is this one of the types of things that are, that Head Start? Are you, are you familiar with Alicia that, that, uh, that they include in their training?
3: So Head Start is, um, very much so an American initiative because here, at least here we have Head Start in a very different way. It's already ingrained, um, within the curriculum, but a big thing is early childhood literacy skills. So the park example, The music example, the art example. Your child is gaining literacy skills because they're learning words. If they're writing down the goals, they're beginning to practice writing. They're beginning to practice communicating for themselves. They may have to read a book or an activity book on on how to cut out, for example, if they wanted to make a little play castle. There may be an activity book and a guide that a parent can read with them. There may be an opportunity, for example things like nutrition. So the flour, if you got your child involved in baking, reading a recipe, helping them recognize numbers, all these other exploratory ways can really be a part of some of your child's early literacy development, development with nutrition, the physical body, the movement aspect is important for the Head Head Start program, particularly. And I think really it begins with Building, a literacy, building literacy skills in a way your child is going to feel effective. So if they're really interested in science, get them involved. Maybe instead of reading a book, they, we do a quick experiment with them. Maybe it's honestly just baking soda and vinegar. And we have those two words written out and then the numbers, so the proportion. And we might say, okay, it's half a cup of baking soda. Soda. It's a quarter cup of vinegar. Um and getting them to recognize those numbers and those words. So what we already have, we have the word cup, we have the word baking, we have the word soda, and we have the word vinegar. They've already now, learned four or five words for the day.
1: Are those percentages and, and, and measurements accurate? We don't want to be putting out information that's going to hurt somebody.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I, if you know the okay, okay.
1: so be sure, be sure to check on those numbers before you, do, you mix this at home, folks, okay? Okay. Um, <laughs>
3: I made it up. I honestly wouldn't go during more than a teaspoon to be quite frank. You know, that's an
1: Right, right. Okay, okay. I just, just a wild thought jumping in, not to interrupt. I, I apologize for interruption. No,
2: no. It's, it's. I love the suggestions. Again, absolutely. You know, Head Start in life itself. I mean, the Head Start program here in the U.S. really is a wonderful and amazing program. And it is National Head Start Month, actually, all of October. Uh, So we have been talking about just a wide variety of ways to give children a Head Start in life. And so these suggestions, I mean, it's it's really about a total brain development process. It sounds to me what you're really talking Mm -hmm. about that when we get our kids into activities that they're totally engrossed in and interested in they're using all of their brain and body and that sounds like that's the healthiest way to help them develop for lifelong success is that accurate is that would, would you add to that
3: yeah Absolutely, that's accurate. Um, The more we get them involved in the things they enjoy, the better equipped they are for other learning experiences, the more resilient they feel. Because when you're giving something they enjoy, they're more likely to want to achieve that goal. They're more likely to want to perform. And when they achieve it, they realize, hey, I can do hard things. And the amount of times I have to talk to adult clients and others in my life about, hey, you can do hard things, we can do hard things together. It would, it would have been great in their past experiences if their parent helped them through that, or a teacher, or a mentor, or a guardian, or a caregiver. It doesn't always have to be the parent. It can be any adult in the adult, in the child's life, who's able to act to the baseline and able to support them in that resilience building. And that requires an adult who's feeling healthy and whole. So, my first step for parents is to get yourself feeling in a place where you're able to have these conversations with your child, where you're able to have the energy to do these activities. If we're not feeling good as caregivers, we're not, we're, that baseline is going to be off for our child.
1: And, and how important would you say tools are in supporting parents? And I, I'm I'm thinking in terms uh, of, of books, uh, in terms of of um, you know places to go. That that maybe do you have resources that you would recommend? Websites, for instance, or the kinds of things that uh, that that uh, to support parent support <laughs> sites.
3: <laughs> yeah, so I do book lists for all my clients, and some of those book lists are very tailored to specific families specific groups, specific um, specific things such as a cancer. So for example, childhood cancer, we have a, resource, a book resource guide for that. Or we have a resource guide for parents with depression or divorce, all these high conflict situations or situations that are overwhelming. We give out book lists. And I think there's other book lists within the communities too. And that's why family resource centers, then they may be at your local children's hospital. They may be at a community center. They may, it may be a therapist in your area, specifically working with families. But that's one of the things I do within an educational consult is start giving families those book lists because books, videos, music, all of these things, activities are what families need are tangibles that they can take away. Sometimes talk therapy, Mm -hmm. traditional therapy is
2: not for everyone. Yeah, definitely. Well, we are getting it to the end of our time today. And just real, real quick before we go, where can listeners connect with you and and access some of those resources?
3: Yep. So they can access me at e a g innovation, I-N-N-O-V-A-T-I-O-N, on all social media platforms. If you'd um, like to book, we do have this free 30-minute sessions. Uh, feel free to head into our calendar on our website, which is www.eginnovation.com, and we're happy to give you some of those resources available.
2: Wonderful. Well, thank you so very, very much for being here. And we we are going to put those links on our website as well. So make it easy for everybody. And we are just so grateful for everything you've shared today with us. And
1: for the new definition of resilience.
2: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. That's most important, I think. And uh, by the way, You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So to our listeners out there, I just wanted to check in. Did you know that we have launched services for authors, musicians, and innovators who are interested in expanding their audience? If you or someone you know uh, has services and you want to reach a worldwide audience with your message, visit riseandshineaswan.com to learn more.
1: And if you've enjoyed today's show and would like to see if there's perhaps more behind the scenes details on today's guests or from pre- previous shows, check out our fan club and you can connect with us on social media networks at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching rise and shine as one, the number one, or visit our website, riseandshineas1.com, and use the links on the contact us page.
2: So when you do this, you are helping us continue and develop great content, reach even more people, and keep the show going, of course. And we love connecting with you. So thank you once again for being with us today, Alicia, and to our audience. We really actually would not be here without you. Absolutely. And remember, until next time.
1: Wherever you are.
2: There's always time.
1: For remembering to rise and and shine. shine. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to Rise and Shine. Please join Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmsted for another great show next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, keep rising and shining.